It's so good to be back with you. Just as Pastor Chris shared, we are really excited about what God is doing here at Encounter Church and certainly beyond. We're excited to gather today with you. If you're joining us online, thank you for being with us. As Chris stated just a few weeks ago, I started a series and last week Chris took a moment and a powerful, powerful message to share what God's heart is for our community and for our world. So just to let you know, if you're listening online today and you missed last week's message, I hope that you'll just take a moment, go back either through our Facebook, you can download our app, EncounterChurch.com forward slash app. You can listen to our podcast, find that in the Apple Store and uh, or in iTunes, and it's a powerful message on June 7th. It's just God's heart for our community, God's heart for our nation, God's heart for our world. So I hope that you'll go back and check that out. One of the things that uh, I'm really excited and passionate about to communicate and connect with you today is on the idea of rest. And I started a few weeks ago by saying, listen, are, are, you, are you worn out? Join the party, right? There's so many elements of this life that just require us to somewhat, in some ways, kind of feel like we're at a rat race, or even as you picture like a hamster wheel, like just going, going, going. You're constantly moving, you're constantly going, but never actually arriving anywhere. And so how does it, how is it possible for us to live a life that works and works hard and also rest and gets to a place where we feel like we can actually fill up our cup? It is so easy, and I've talked to so many people, including so many of you maybe listening in today, and folks that are just worn out, worn out as a parent, worn out as an employee in the workplace, worn out at home because you're constantly working, constantly doing, constantly moving forward, and never feeling like you can simply breathe in and breathe out. Being worn out is something that we have all experienced, and we're all in different places. And last week we mentioned, or a few weeks ago, I mentioned that some of these are tensions to be managed. There's there's not problems that you can just easily snap a finger and solve. There are tensions that you have to manage, and there are boundaries that you have to put in place. Some of them are just out of your control. And some of you may say, you know, I'd, I'd love to get to a place where I feel like I can breathe in and breathe out on a regular basis and not feel like my cup is constantly being poured out, but feel like my cup can actually be poured into where I can rejuvenate. And we set the foundational principle a few weeks ago that says God worked, so will you. God worked, so will you. But God rested and so must you. This actually comes from the Ten Commandments. In Exodus chapter 20, we have this incredible statement given to God's people through his servant Moses. And one of the Ten Commandments, it actually has to do with this idea of rest. And so when you look at the Ten Commandments, the longest verbiage that you have, but of all the Ten Commandments, like the longest description from God actually has to do with rest. And I mentioned this verse a few weeks ago, and I want to read a portion of it to you right now. It is found in Exodus chapter 20. And the verse says this, that on it, meaning the Sabbath day, because he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. On it, you shall not do any work. I don't know what you're doing right now, but can you give me an amen? Like some people just want to stop working. You want to rest. Like on it, on the Sabbath, you shall not do any work. Neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male, nor your female servant, nor your animals, or even the foreigners residing in your town, which is kind of funny because God says, not, listen, not just you and your household, but the, but the animals that you own. Hey, and if anyone's visiting from out of town, give them permission to rest too. 
And this, resident, this rest that God wanted for his people wasn't just for the sake of them sleeping. It was so that they would acknowledge him. And the rest of the passage actually says, listen, God created the world, the heavens and the earth in six days. And on the seventh day, he rested. I kind of chuckle about that because I'm like, really? Did God need to rest? But he did this for us so that it might be a model for what he wants us to do. Now, we don't have a choice because we can't go very long without resting. Every now and then, Josiah or Levi One of my boys will come downstairs and they've been trying to sleep and they're like, dad, I can't go to sleep. And if they're listening online right now, they will remember the night. So they just say, dad, I can't go to sleep. Now, sometimes that's about an hour after they actually go down. I've assumed that they were sleeping, but they weren't. And sometimes that's like, I don't know, 90 seconds after they went to quote unquote sleep, they come downstairs. I can't sleep. And I told Josiah once, hey, man, I mean, his birthday was last week. He just turned 11. I said, man, you've been, on, you've been on this planet for about 11 years now. Guess what? There hasn't been one night that you've missed sleeping. Just give it time. You will sleep. Why? Because our bodies have a physical capacity. And once we hit that physical capacity, we just run out. We run out of energy. And there's just no possible way that we can continue to go, 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 go without our bodies physically crashing. But it's something unique and happens in this world because of our pace, because of the demand that not only bosses or maybe family spoken or unspoken place on you, but the demands that you put on yourself. We go and we go and we go and we go. And you have faced times I know of frustration and so have I where I feel like I don't I think I need a day off. I think I I need to rest. I think I'm running out of energy. And as we talk about this topic, there are some things that happen around this idea of burning out. And you've probably heard it in maybe workplace conversations. Maybe you've experienced in, if you're a student and you're going to school, you're just tired of going to school. You're tired of the schoolwork. If you're, if you're an athlete, maybe you feel burned out around the sport that you play. And sometimes even when, a let's say, an NFL star or an NBA star or a Major League Baseball player retires at what we think is early, they just say, I'm tired. It's time for something different. It happens around hobbies. It happens around our career. It happens around relationships. We just feel tired and we just feel burnt out. And a few weeks ago, I ended with this. I said, failing to acknowledge, failing to acknowledge your limits, your physical limits will equal and lead to physical burnout, right? Most of us go about 16 to 17 hours before we actually crash. Like this cycle, this body that God gave us, we only go 16 hours, 17. Maybe some of you are like surviving on five hours of sleep. I don't know how you do it. My brother-in-law Josh does it. Josh, if you're listening, I don't know how you do it. But he crashes because he falls asleep. You're just talking to him and he just kind of, oh, I'm tired, you know. Like uh, we just have a capacity that's limited, physical capacity. But failing to acknowledge what those boundaries are, it leads to physical burnout, but failing to acknowledge God, and this this isn't just about getting right sleep, failing to acknowledge God during that rest leads to spiritual burnout. It leads to us feeling not just physically tired, but so much more than physically tired, emotional and spiritual, psychological, mental. So how do we get to a place where we avoid burnout? 
And some of this conversation, I feel like, and sometimes when you're teaching, especially when it's not a conversation, maybe you're having a conversation right now um, as you're listening to this from home, but I'm not having a conversation with you, right? I'm just speaking to you. But if we could have a conversation around burnout, it's big. It's a big conversation. Like, what is burnout? How do you know that you're experiencing it? And if you are in the middle of it, how do you get to a place where you're actually acknowledging, I think I'm burned out. I think I'm tired. How do you get to a place where you can acknowledge that in your workplace and actually tell your boss? How do you get to a place where you can confess that to a spouse and say, listen, I'm just tired. I need some time off. Not tired of your spouse, of course. That's not what I'm referring to. But a place of acknowledging that you're burned out. So first, what is what is burnout? And there's a few elements that I wrote down, and this is not just in the way Jason describes it, but this is like in clinical research and the clinical medical definition of what does it mean to be um, to be burned out? What is it? What, what does that even word mean? So four things that I wrote down that are very very common around burnout and a lack of rest that leads to it, both physical, mental, psychological, spiritual. The first one is fatigue. It's pretty simple on that one, right? And this is literally referring to physical fatigue. Waking up in, in the morning, and I'm sure some of you could raise your hand and say, yeah, I've experienced that. I don't know how this is possible, that I just slept 10 hours and I feel more tired this morning than I did last night before I went to sleep. Maybe some of you can go to start your work at 1.30 in the afternoon and 2 o'clock and feel like it's already been 12 hours. You have no energy. It's not just what you ate for lunch, right? It's just the fact that you have no physical energy. So that's number one sign of burnout is just fatigue. And the the fatigue actually goes, it does go beyond the physical. It's just an emotional fatigue, which leads to number two. The second thing, one of the signs of burnout is an emotional fatigue. And it shows up as one of the number one characteristics is irritability. It's just when you're emotionally not right. You're either short-tempered. That can come out in bursts of anger. They can come out in like... Your emotions being a roller coaster. One day you're happy, the next day you feel depressed. Like, but just irritability. Things seem to bother you much quicker than they ever have before. Things that never, or people that never bothered you before seem to really get on your nerves. The workplace environment, though you've been able to put up with it for 18 years, you're all of a sudden come to a place where you're done with it. So irritability is one of those signs of burnout. And that's, that comes in a lot of different forms of not just being in, a, in an upset mood, but being in a place where you actually have an inability to control your emotions. The third one is really a loss of enjoyment. And that loss of enjoyment just isn't about workplace, but it's life. It's when the cup, if you could use the illustration emotionally of the cup or the, or the glass being, is it half full or half empty? Well, it's half empty. And negativity towards life, a negativity towards the people that you love, your relationships, your children, your spouse, your family, your mom, your dad. There's a loss of enjoyment. It affects our overall attitude and optimism. When you say optimism, you can't even connect with it. Why? Because there's just a pessimistic negative view that all things are, are, are tough right now and all things are bad. In in reality, there can be a lot of the things that you're facing can put you into a place where you do not see the positivity, you see the negative. You do not feel optimistic about life or about your relationships or about your job. You do feel down, you do feel negative. And the final one is really a, a depression. And this is one that's 
so difficult for me to even try to describe because this is not just a day where you feel depressed. Some people face depression over weeks and months. And some of you could even say, I have dealt with depression, like literally being emotionally and physically depressed, a combination of all of these things. Some, some people can say, I've heard people say this, I've dealt with this all of my life. And it's a tough tough issue around a tough topic, but physical, not having physical rest, not having emotional rest, not having spiritual rest leads to a place of burnout. It leads to a place of fatigue. It leads to a place of irritability. It leads to a place where we can't control our emotions. It leads us to a place where we see all things as negative, all things as bad, right? The, the glass is never quite full or half full. It's always half empty or even empty itself. And the worst of all of these is just coming to a place where we say that we are depressed and we need help. Let me hit pause and just say this to you. If that's you and you need help, we want to help. As a church and as a ministry, one of the greatest joys that we have is coming alongside people like you, coming alongside individuals couples, families, and seeing how we can step into. And sometimes it's us as a church and as a ministry being able to introduce you to someone that can help you, introduce you to a counselor, introduce you to a, to a medical professional that has a tremendous amount of help to help you where you are. Because sometimes that's what you need. But as a church and as a ministry, as pastors, we love to provide help and we love to provide counsel and so if that's you we hope that you'll let us know that we hope that you'll let us know that in one of a few ways the connect card encounterchurch.com forward slash connect and also forward slash help a few different ways that you can just tell us what's going on in your life and how we can come alongside you so what do you do if this is you and if the, if if these descriptions of you if you're like yeah hey that's me where what do you do to start? The first thing that you have to do is acknowledge. And this is tough. The first thing you have to do is acknowledge that you are empty. Acknowledge that you are empty. Yesterday I was riding a bike and running around the neighborhood with my, my boys and uh, two of my uh, family members, my nephew and my niece. And my little nephew said, Uncle Jason, I'm running out of gas. He's just tired. Like he just physically, let me just tell you, I'm tired. I'm stopping. You're going and I'm stopping. Like that's so easy sometimes for us to do is just to be honest. But oh my goodness, and maybe it's easy for a child. It's not so easy for so many of you. As a pastor, one of the greatest joys and moments that I have is sitting down with someone one-on-one. -on -one. Maybe it's a phone call and someone just says, I need help. Like when they're truly honest, because this thing, this thing about acknowledging that you're empty, acknowledging that you need help sounds very easy, but I know it's so, so hard to be honest. It is so hard, especially to take the veil off, right? Or to, to take the pretend face off and just say, I'm not good. I need help. When I'm sitting down with an individual, with a couple, with a family, and they just say, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with an addiction or even, even more solidly stated, I am addicted to. I have a problem with. It's so powerful. And right now in your heart, maybe you could do that. I am struggling with. I need help with. If you can get to that place of just acknowledging 
then that's the first step. The second thing is you got to do something about it. You have to tell a family member. You have to tell a spouse. You have to find a trusted friend. You have to call the church. You have to call the counselor. You have to call your doctor. I don't know the next step for you, but you actually have to take a step to do something about your emotional behavior. And one of the worst things that we deal with in life is even the topic of um, of depression and the things that lead to depression and loneliness and and medical issues and physical issues and spiritual issues that lead to one of the worst topics we could ever talk about individually or corporately, and that's suicide. And so much of the conversation um, around suicide is, oh my goodness, I had no idea. And let me tell you, if 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 you're struggling to even to a place where you have thought about your own life and your, the, the validity of your life. Let me tell you, take a step. I beg you, I beg you to take a step. And there's nothing wrong with you. Some of you would say, well, I'm, I'm not there. I do feel depressed, but I'm not to the point of contemplating the validity of my own life still for you. Acknowledge where you are and take a step. Call this week. And my, even my email, jason at encounterchurch.com. If I can't help you, I will find someone that can. Take a step. Acknowledging your limits is so very, very difficult. So what do we do, especially around the ideas of our physical limitations and our spiritual limitations and our mental and psychological limitations? What do we do? In principle, before I give you a few practical things, either you will acknowledge it and do something about it or it'll catch up to you. In the words of a um, faraway mentor, I've never met him personally, but I like to read his books and his articles and his blogs. And he said this a few weeks ago. Either you figure out how to purposefully avoid burnout when it comes, because it will, or it will slap you in the back of the head. And one day you'll find yourself on the floor looking up saying, what do I do? Like all of us get tired. All of us, we're in different places. I can't put us all in the same boat, right? We're not all having the same experiences. But either you do something to avoid that place of being completely empty. Or one day you will find yourself empty. A few weeks ago, I turned 39 uh, years old and not very sentimental uh, for my birthday. You know, as a kid, you kind of look forward to it. And, and, you know, you look forward to gifts and presents and the party, right? And Josiah just turned 11. We celebrated with him over the last couple of days. Uh, I told my wife about three weeks before my birthday, I said, I kind of want to do something different for my birthday. Now we're in the middle of quarantine and COVID-19. And so the options are, are dirt, certainly limited. But I said, I kind of want to do something different. I started reflecting before I mentioned it to her. I said, what do I like to do? I, I like to run. And I said, well, maybe I'll go for a run. This is just to myself. I'm just talking, right? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll go for a run on my birthday. I was like, well, I, I go for a run a lot. So how, how could this be meaningful to me? And ultimately what I wanted to do in my heart was communicate uh, to God in my faith how grateful I am for every day that he gives me. Not a, almost, I can't say every day, but I think very often, especially when I hear stories uh, around people my age that pass away and just heard a story a couple of days ago um, from a friend of a friend of mine, 45 years old, that got sick and, and died suddenly. Life is short. And so I wanted to do something even on my birthday that was uh, very uh, meaningful for me and around gratitude, 
around telling God how grateful I am. And so some of you, you may have seen this. I said to Rachel one day, I said, hey, I think I'm going to run 39 miles on my birthday, one mile for every year that God's given me. And I'm, I just want to record a video, 20 seconds, and I'm going to write down 39 things I'm thankful for and just really ultimately honor God. And I hope that inspires some other people. Now, all that to say, that requires something that's very unique for me because the, the, the furthest that I had ever ran before in one given day was 27 miles, a little bit more than a marathon. 39 is a lot more than 27. So it's like, how do I do this? Because I know the body has physical limitations. Now, either I could recognize that limitation and plan for it, Or I could just go out and think that I could go run for six hours and think that I'm going to make it. That was very calculated. And this is the same thing with you and your life. For, For me, I knew that running 39 miles would require me to refuel my body with certain things every 45 minutes. And every hour and 15 minutes or so, it would require a certain fuel. And every two hours, my wife graciously, I don't know how long she sat in the car that day chasing me down, but my wife would bring me food. She would bring me like bagel sandwiches. I had three bagel sandwiches in the midst of that run. I knew that if I did not properly treat my body the right way, there was no chance that I would make it. And I knew it had to be calculated. There was a certain amount of water my body needed. There was a certain amount of sugar my body needed. There was a certain amount of fat, and I say... Amen to that. There was a certain amount of fat and energy that my carbohydrates that my body needed or I would not make it. It was calculated. It was on time. And if I missed it, listen, if I missed a fuel and one time I did, Rachel drove out almost 20 miles to see me and, and I forgot to grab the extra fuel. I called her two miles later. I'm like, you got to you got to turn around. I forgot if she wouldn't have turned around. I would have never made it. I either I treat my body a certain way. If you go run a long distance or if you bike a long distance or if you go for a long walk and you don't have access to water or if something happens and you read these stories about people being in the woods and they losing track and they're, they're lost in the wilderness, the body has a limitation. You either recognize it and plan for it purposefully, not on accident, or you will crash. And if you, you can't answer the question right now, like I could that day, every 45 minutes, I'm doing this. Every hour and 15, I'm doing this. On the two-hour mark, this is exactly what I'm doing. If I didn't plan and prepare for that, I would have never made it. It wouldn't have been possible. The body would eventually just crash. And I felt that on a much, on a much, much shorter run. I felt that on a 10-mile run where I didn't make 10 miles. How in the world can you make 39? You only can do that by treating it and by fueling it. So there's a few things I want to give to you, four things. Now, before I give you these things, I want to talk about the the two different um, um, potentials for where you stand in your spiritual journey and in your faith. If you are a Christian, and if you're a Christ follower, you can receive these four things in a different way. And I pray that you do. If you're a Christ follower already, I pray that you would consider looking at all of your boundaries, both in your health, both in your physical boundaries, your spiritual boundaries, and say this, God, what do you want me to do to properly rest? God, what adjustments do I need to make in order to properly worship you? What do I need to do to stay healthy? What do I need to do to avoid this burnout? What do I need to do? The second place is if you're listening to this and you're not yet a a Christian and you don't yet have a walk with God where you have um, taken a a moment in your life where you said, you know what, I, I want to acknowledge my need for Christ. 
and what we love to say to people that are considering Christianity, that, that following Jesus is turning from your life, turning from your life in the direction that you're going, turning from your life of sin, turning from your life away from Christ and recognizing what Jesus did for you on the cross, that Jesus died, that Jesus was buried, and three days later he arose from the grave. And by doing that, he offered eternal life to anyone who would believe in him. Because man is distant from God, and Jesus changed that. Man is naturally apart and distant from God, but Jesus changed that by what he did for us on the cross. And he had a message, not for his people, the Israelites, right? During that time of the Ten Commandments, where he said, listen, you're going to work and you're going to rest. If you fail to rest, not just sleep, but if you fail to rest, you fail to acknowledge me. And so if you are not yet a Christian, the number one step you can do today is to consider changing your life and beginning to follow Christ with your life. And as a church and as a ministry, as I mentioned earlier, in a different way, we would love to talk to you. We have steps that you can take. We have things that you can do in your life. In fact, we have a day of, of, of 14 different entries, like journal entries, that we'd love to send you 14 days in a row. If you would let us know through the connection card I mentioned earlier that you're interested in learning more about following Jesus. If that's you, please tell us at the connect card, encounterchurch.com forward slash connect. Why? Because rest looks different. Rest is supposed to be different if you're a Christian. Now, all of what I'm talking about applies to any human walking, any human breathing. Like there's a physical capacity, there's an emotional capacity, right? But God intends something different for rest. And so the first thing is this, rest and Sabbath for God. What that means is literally during your time of rest, during your time of like hitting pause, during your time of slowing down, sitting back, breathing in and breathing out, your heart and your mind actually have to turn to God. Because listen, most people, not everyone, most people like to just chill out, sit on the couch, veg a little bit, order a pizza. And that's not the rest I'm talking about. That's needed. Okay, do that. Go to your back porch, go to your man cave, whatever it is. You, you do that because you need that. But this is the type of rest. When God said, I want you to rest and I want you to Sabbath, he designed that to be a time of worship. He designed that time to be a time of worship. When your heart and your mind physically turn to God. This is when I wake up in the morning and I don't grab my phone. This is when I wake up in the morning and I don't access my email. This is when I wake up in the morning and I, and I just sit and I reflect and I either listen to the Bible or read the Bible or journal. And my mind and my heart is fully focused on God. The rest and the Sabbath. You've got to figure out something to do. Either reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, um, journaling, listening to worship music. You've got to be away during that time of rest to actually turn your mind away from the things of this world and turn it to God. The second thing I want to tell you is that you have to seek counsel. You have to seek help. I hit that a little bit earlier in the message that you need help. You need to know what to do. There's got to be something different. I don't know exactly what you should do. In fact, when I ventured out on running 39 miles, I thought this is a little bit crazy. That's an ultra marathon distance. I know enough to know that I don't know how to do it. So you know what I did? I jumped on the phone. And I called my friend Sid Tyner that I went to college with, who's an ultra-marathon athlete, and he's running 100-mile races. I was like, dude, what do I do? He said, remember what you did for your marathon? Don't do that. 
He said, let me tell you exactly what you should do. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't, okay, let's get, what do I do, right? And so he created a plan for me. He told me exactly what I should do. He said, listen, let me, let me just tell you. If you go past zone two in your heart rate, you're going to crash. You got to keep it slow. And so he starts telling me all these things. You got to do this because he knew things that I needed to know. And there are so many people out there right now that you're listening to, you're struggling, you don't know what to do, but someone else does. Look at this Bible verse. I, I just love this Bible verse. I reflected on this this week, and I just got chill bumps almost every time I read it, thinking about how powerful the Bible is. It's Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6. It says this, Surely you need guidance to wage war. Listen to that again. Surely you need guidance to wage war. And victory is won through many advisors. No one should wage war and enter into the battle without help. No one can do this alone. You cannot do it alone. And if you want to win, you need advice. If you want to win, you need help. If you want to win, you need, as, as Solomon says here in the book of Proverbs, you need advisors, not just one, but you need multiple people around you. And so to take action on this, you have to seek guidance and you have to seek help. The third thing is that you have to change your boundaries. I started hitting on this a little bit earlier. Rest is inevitable. You're going to get tired. You're going to fall asleep. But then something happens where Tuesday feels like Monday. Wednesday feels like Tuesday. Thursday feels like Wednesday. It's just the same routine where we never feel truly rested. So something's got to change about the boundaries. You may be one that's resting, but you don't feel rested. You may feel one that sleeps eight hours a night, but it feels like every night you sleep for two hours, right? And so, again, we need help on those things. But let me tell you, if you do not change your boundaries... If you don't change your boundaries, it will not change your outcome. So last week I hit on these boundaries. Boundaries around your time. Boundaries around your work. Boundaries around technology. Boundaries around sleep. And boundaries around your health. You have to create boundaries. Last night I texted several folks because I ignored my phone most of the day, Friday and Saturday, and that's a boundary that I have. I started doing that years ago when I walk into the house. I will take my cell phone, walk back to the back of uh, the house in my bedroom and place my cell phone on my nightstand and plug it in. Why do I do that? Because if I don't, I put it in my pocket, and if it's in my pocket, it vibrates. If it vibrates, I grab my phone, and I say, oh, who's reaching out to me? It's just a boundary that I have in order to make sure that I focus on my wife, to make sure that I focus on my children. It's boundaries around technology, boundaries around our time. So I don't know where your boundaries are today, but I can suggest to you, if you're experiencing and feeling emotional burnout, physical burnout, spiritual burnout, where you feel disconnected from God, disconnected from your family, disconnected from in your workplace, something's got to change around the boundaries that you have. And the final thing is this, might be time to change your seat. And the reason I changed that, uh, use that terminology about changing your seat and about where you are in life is that some of you may be in a position in your life where it's time to change your perspective. And when we 
naturally talk about being tired and about burning out, a lot of our time and energy goes around our job, around our workplace. And the reason I say that you may have to change your seat is because there comes a point in life where you may be in the wrong job. But why? Because you're not using and accessing your passion. I talked to a guy recently. He's like, I, I'm good at my job. I just don't like it. And it wasn't like eight weeks in. This is like years in. I, why? I'm just not doing what I'm passionate about. And the answer for you, I can't give you permission to leave your job. That's something you have to discover. But work is something that must bring us joy. And life is too short to be in a job and in a position where you realize that, you know what, I'm, I'm either not good at this or I don't enjoy it. And so be careful to jump the grass is greener on the other side because others, you can swing the pendulum and say, you know what, I've tried this job. And I don't like it. I tried that job. I didn't like it. And you can just jump around from job to job until you're swimming in an ocean. You don't know where to go. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that you might have to change your perspective. You might have to change your work. Just be open to it. And I would also seek counsel before you do that, right? That's step number two, seeking counsel, seeking advice, and, and discovering what you're good at. But finding a place in, in, in a rhythm that brings you joy is so important. And so much burnout can be avoided, can be avoided by the proper boundaries of rest, proper boundaries around worship, proper boundaries around our time, proper boundaries around our boundaries with work and home, proper boundaries around technology, and finally finding someone man or a woman, a counselor, a friend, a family member, a pastor to say, I need help. Can you help me? God intended for you in this life today to worship him, to honor him. God intended for you and your heart and your soul to be full. God intends to use that analogy again for that glass to be full, to be overflowing, to be full of joy, to be full of energy. And you have to do today, for the sake of your own heart, your own life, your own journey, your family, you have to do whatever it takes to make sure that glass is full. And I, and I would tell you, if you're a Christian, or if you're not yet a believer, and someone that's given their life to Jesus and following Christ, I don't believe, listen, I don't believe it's possible to, to achieve and pursue and receive the joy that God intends for you without resting and without the spiritual type of rest that God has designed for you. So no matter what it takes, take a step today. And as I mentioned earlier, the two things I want you to do I want you to acknowledge where you stand today. Just acknowledge it. Acknowledge it to someone. doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be a counselor, but someone. Acknowledge where you stand and create a plan. And you need help to create that plan. And so reach out to someone and say, help me get to a place to where I can get unstuck. Help me get to a place where I can avoid burnout. Help me get to a place where my cup is full. And maybe it's looking to someone and saying, hey, remember that analogy? I feel like my glass is always half empty or I'm empty right now. About two and a half years ago, um, I was sitting in an airport about to, to board my flight. And I remember 
pulling out my computer. The flight was delayed, mechanical issues. By the way, not a part of this message at all. You know those people that get really mad about mechanical issues? They're all mad. They're huffing and puffing. Every time a mechanical issue happens on a plane, I am glad to not get on that plane. I'm like, you guys take your time. I'll stay here overnight. I don't want to get in your plane with some mechanical issue. And so I'm never one to complain. So I sit there, I pull up my computer, and I just do my work. And I just remember staring at the computer. I remember just staring at it. And I remember thinking, what? what's going on? I was like, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just tired. I remember closing that computer, kind of sitting back like this, thinking, man, I just, I can't think straight. I think I'm tired. But I didn't feel tired. I felt like I had physical energy. And I remember getting on that plane, and I, re- I remember sitting down beside the guy. It was a pretty small plane. It was a small connector flight, you know. It was a pretty small plane, and I just remember saying, you know what, maybe I just, I don't need to work. I'm just going to pull out my Bible. I'm just going to start reading. And I pulled out to First Kings, a passage that actually reads about a guy who was going through depression, one of the prophets of God, Elijah. And I was a bad, a bad decision to read this Bible verse, but I really do believe, like, it was just perfect timing. But I got really emotional really fast, right, because I was reading about a guy who was frustrated. I was reading about a guy who was tired, and he really just experienced depression, and it's a story in the scripture. And I remember sitting there and just thinking, what is going on with me? I didn't think anything was crazy like in my life or out of whack in my relationship with Rachel or me and the kids or my work had nothing to do with like my, my job. I just felt sad. And by the way, the guy sitting beside me was like Mr. America, like Mr. Strongman. Like he was jacked, if you know what I'm saying. Like he was already halfway in my seat. And like tears are running down my face. And I'm like, God, what's going on inside my heart? And this dude was like this. He was like, hey, bro, you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay. I'm like, he's going to think I'm crazy. I'm reading this Bible crying. And I don't know what's going on. I said, yeah, man, I think I'm, think I'm okay. I'm, I think I'm just tired. And I remember calling Chris, the pastor here. I said, Chris, I don't know why, dude. I'm just sad. Like, I, don't, I just need a, a couple of days. I don't know what's going on. And I just remember getting in the bed for honestly about two and a half days and just resting. At the end of those couple of days, I really did feel fine. I really felt better. I, I knew that I was just tired and it affects everything. I, I was sad walking in the door when I woke up. I felt sad for a couple of days when I, I didn't have no energy to play with the kids. I always loved like running, biking, doing something. I didn't do anything. I was completely empty completely empty. For some of you, it's I'd love to get to the end of three days and feel better. Some of you, it's been months. Some of you, it's been years. And I understand. I've heard those stories. And I understand what it's like for someone that says, I am empty. I need help. You have to do whatever it takes. And as a church, as a ministry, we want to walk alongside you and help you in your journey. Because ultimately, we believe that it is you resting and pointing your heart and your mind towards God, a God who loves you, that he will give you rest. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary. And to use this title of this message, all you who are worn out, and I will give you rest, rest for your souls. May you do whatever it takes to run to Jesus where he is the only one who can give you the spiritual rest that he desires.